0: Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth
1: Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. This is Michelle Gale, and I am here today with Greg Marcus. Greg is an innovative Musar maven and the creator of American Musar, a 21st century Jewish spiritual practice for an authentic and meaningful life. He's a recovering workaholic who has been practicing and teaching Musar for five years. Greg offers guidance on how to lead a life of mindful harmony and spiritual integrity drawing upon Jewish teachings and contemporary wisdom alike. He has a PhD from MIT and worked for 10 years as a marketer in Silicon Valley. His latest book, The Spiritual Practice of Good Actions, Finding Balance Through the Soul Traits of Musar, has been praised by rabbis, secular Jews, and many non-Jews for its inclusive and empowering introduction to this ancient wisdom. Today, Greg is a writer, speaker, workshop facilitator, and stay-at-home dad, to two teenage daughters. He created the Musar Parenting to help
0: him cope. Welcome, Greg. Thank you, Michelle. I'm delighted to be here.
1: Yeah, really nice to have you. And I, we got to talk a little bit before we started. And I got to hear a little bit about your, your journey and your path, which is wonderful. And I'm really glad to have the opportunity to introduce you to our listeners.
0: Well, I really love, uh, I love your show, and I love the approach that you're, you're taking to, to, help, uh, to help parents kind of look at the world in a slightly different way, in a very gentle and supportive uh, manner. So thank you for the work you do.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. And the one thing we agree on, for sure, is that um, you know, we feel like the focus is on the parents, much less on the children, right? That we're going to really focus on, on helping the parents to
0: look at themselves and, and to develop themselves in order to help their children. Absolutely. I mean, the way children learn more than any other way is by modeling their parents' behavior. And I can remember so many times, so my daughters are both teenagers now, but I remember when they were younger, and even still to some degree today, where the older one, like lecturing the younger one using the exact same words that I use, the mm-hmm. exact same tone, and it's just cringeworthy. I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And oh, I know where she learned this bad habit from. So, so the more that I can... Um, show up as a better person the more my kids are going to grow up to be better people
1: yeah I agree the whole do as I say not as I do just it doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't work out <laughs> That's
0: no hard. no it doesn't
1: <laughs> so why don't we start off why don't you tell us a little bit about what Musar is you know I learned today that it's a it's a thousand year old practice and I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit more about it what is it
0: Sure. so, um Musar goes back to a time about a thousand years ago when the rabbis were asking this question, "Why is it so hard to be good? You know if you look at like the the Jewish teachings and the Jewish law books, like the Torah, you know our uh, how we're supposed to behave is laid out. I mean, for those of us today, we can think about the the Ten Commandments, which are pretty straightforward and clear, but hardly a day or two goes by where we don't slip up in some way or another. Mm. And so one of the ways that the rabbis answered that question was, uh, was developing Musar, which is looking at our internal world. You know, What are those things inside that cause us to get stuck in the same situation again and again and prevent us from showing up as our best self? And then Musar offers a path towards balance and hearing, uh, hearing healing mm. uh, by being mindful in, in everyday life.
1: Mm. And what would, it, what would a rabbi <clears throat> tell you to do, right? In order to help Musar, what, what do you say? How do you say Musar? To, in order to develop Musar? In order to, how do we use it
0: in our language as we're speaking? Right, so I would say, um, It's how would one go about uh, developing a Musar practice? A Musar practice. Because it is very much like a practice. And um, when a lot of people think of Judaism, they think about, and even Jewish people, um, many of them experience Judaism as well. It's about um, some very rigid laws about how we eat and how we do this and that. And Mm. the more traditional practices are very focused around the rituals. But what... Musar is about, it's about understanding the spirit of the laws. It's about how do we um, behave as a, as a good person? How do we become, a, a, the Yiddish word is a mensch, a person of outstanding character. So if I wanted to start, or as I go about my Musar practice, what we do is there are, um, there are a series of what are called soul traits, and a soul trait is something like humility or patience or gratitude or trust. And we would focus on one soul trait for two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. And my, one of my friends uh, and students calls Musar, it's like extreme spiritual fitness. Mm-hmm. So instead of trying to like heal the whole soul all at once, we're going to look at one soul trait at a time. So it's like going to the gym and today I'm going to work on my arms and then next week I'm going to work on my legs. And by focusing and isolating, we can make some, we can make some real progress.
1: Hmm. And, and we'll talk about this today. I, you, you were, uh, generous enough to point me to your website, which we will set tile at the end of the end of the session. And I got to do the little online assess Musar assessment. And so maybe now's a good time. Maybe we can walk through it a little bit so we can give everyone more of an understanding of the territory we're in, and then kind of dig a little bit deeper after that. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So what would you... So let's talk first about, um, you know, the traits that we're looking at when we decide we're going to practice Musar.
0: Right. So there's... so there are dozens and dozens of soul traits. Mm-hmm. And for my book and for people who are beginning, um, I picked 13 that I thought were particularly relevant for people living in today's world. Uh, my Musar class actually started as a work-life balance class and it evolved into a more uh, general Musar practice. Mm. And so the first trait, like the, the, um, one of the ways that Musar is different from many other spiritual approaches or self-help approaches is the idea is not to have as much as possible so humility there's this idea that um, the western definition of humility is to be kind of very meek and self-effacing and what Musa teaches is something different it's about stepping up and filling your proper place in the world and it's avoiding the extremes so if we have too little humility we're arrogant Mm. But if we have too much humility, we might be a little bit self-effacing. We might lack confidence. Have mm. um, you ever been to a party and, um, you know, there's that really arrogant person who's always talking about themselves and how great they are and everything they accomplish? Does the, somebody come to mind when I bring up that, oh, that yes. kind of behavior?
1: I got it. I got it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then maybe there's somebody else at the party who's like, everything happened to them, and it's life's so unfair, and it's always, you know, all these things are done to them. And, yeah. you know, they're just kind of always in victim mode. Does, yeah. that, does that description bring anybody up? Absolutely. And so we might notice that these two people have something in common, which is it's all about them. Right. And someone who's out of balance for humility, everything is like all about me and it's forgetting that there's other people in the world. Mm. Rabbi Iris Stone teaches that the primary purpose of Musar is learning to bear the burden of other people. And mm. as parents, I think we both know how hard that can be to like really be there for our kids and sort of shepherd them through life. And in a very real sense, when they're kids, we are like, we can't, we can't get away from the burdens that parenting puts on us in some degree, to some degree.
1: Yeah, I often talk to speak to that in, you know, as parents, and I also coach executives, um, and I really have the same conversation with executives as I have with parents around this, is that our work is around being able to tolerate discomfort, right? And to be able to hold discomfort, not even just tolerate it, but to be able to hold it in a way that's um, balanced and skillful.
0: yeah yeah Yeah, that's i I love the way you put that Mm -hmm. yeah i I sometimes use the phrase holding the space like if i'm facilitating a musar group or even like there's something a little chaotic going in the family sometimes you know i just need to kind of hold the space to keep the conversation open and keep it from um, degenerating into just emotional outbursts of which i'm unfortunately very prone to do when when things get heated
1: yes yeah i think you're not alone there (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh good oh thank goodness michelle i feel you know, much better it's not just uh, you i'm a recovering
1: that. outburster you know a, re- <laughs> a recovering yeller you know definitely you had know, something it, it happens every now and again still and i kind of shock myself and shock my kids and i you know remind them and remind myself okay it's, it's still something i'm just gonna keep working on this right it's a life practice
0: yeah Well, I like the little HuffPost article you wrote this week about, um, you know, just being forgiving of yourself. If you just kind of, you know, just really need to just eat a handful of chips sometimes and not think about it at all. You know, we all have those moments and that's, that's, um, that's a very mindful and and Musar friendly approach too, is to realize that we are human and that we're not, it's not like, you know, it's why we call Musar practice. It's not like, we suddenly snap our fingers and become a perfect person. It's like, no, this is like a, this is a discipline. This is something we work on every day to just try to do a little bit better.
1: Yes. And it relates, you know, when I think of, you know, relating that to mindfulness practice, you know, when I teach, I've been teaching this wonderful class uh, this past week that goes on for the next few weeks to parents. And what I've been telling them is, you know, the, there is no destination, right? that the practice is the destination. Mm -hmm. Um, you never get there. It's never done. And that's not like a, Oh God, you know, it's never, I'm never going to get to the end kind of thing. It's just to find the joy and, and the truth in the fact that that the path is the destination, um, which kind of reminds me of, of what you're talking about here.
0: Yeah, no, that really, that really fits. I mean, there are, um, it reminds me of a couple of things. I mean, like I didn't come to like mindfulness very naturally. It's like I didn't, although my mom did yoga in the seventies. I never like related to this at all. And so mm. when I would hear something like, "Oh, well, just enjoy the journey," I'm like, "What?" Hey, I'm I'm at MIT. I'm you know I'm I'm it's so I'm a I'm a product manager. I got millions of dollars I'm responsible for. You know, my journey is the end of the quarter. That's my yeah. journey. So <laughs> <Exactly>. you know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my journey is kindergarten drop off. Yeah. You know, that's <laughs> that's, that's there's nothing enjoyable about that that experience. So I'm just kind of looking back. I'm like, wow, I've really changed a lot. You know, this this stuff, these practices really work, and. Um, you know, it's it's. I now view it as like that's just one of my spiritual challenges that I get to focused on what could happen down the road instead of just enjoying um, enjoying life for what it is um, right now.
1: Yeah, because kindergarten drop-off can be magical, right? It can be. It can be. It can be. Like, I love the morning. I love not just because I like saying goodbye to my kids, which is true <laughs> in the morning. I'm kind of ready for them to go and to get into my day and get some work done. The summer's coming, and I'm like, okay, okay, breathe. You can do this. You can do this. But but really in just that that beautiful transition and those little rituals that we have and, like, how my son likes to be kissed on the cheek and, you know all the little things that happen in walking into the door and it, it, there's just this beauty in those moments that you, that can be magical or can be drudgery. Yes. Right. And it does. Well, can I share
0: a stuff. story of how um, Musar kind of helped me uh, change, you know, sort of transform the way that I viewed, viewed the morning routine. Yes. I would that, I think so many parents struggle
1: with the morning routine. So yes, tell us.
0: Yeah. So one of the, the soul traits, I was working on the soul trait of patience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for context, if we have too little patience, we're angry and frustrated. And if we have too much patience, then maybe we're staying in a bad job or we're staying in a bad relationship or we're not taking mm-hmm. action, action when we should. And so I was working on patience. And when you're focusing on the soul trait, you have um, a mantra that you say in the morning. And so mm-hmm. the mantra that I've chosen for patience is this too shall pass and i have the strength to get by until it does because what musar teaches is patience is in a way it's about enduring suffering you know it's um, the word in hebrew derives from a phrase that was in the torah that said that um, god saved the israelites from bearing the burden of slavery so it's about Mm -hmm. bearing bearing the burden of Mm -hmm. of a situation so I was working on things like allowing, um, like picking a longer line and checkout uh, at the grocery store. So mm. I would like stand there and I would do my mantra and I would exercise my patient's muscles. So that was kind of part of it. So it's I was kind of immersed in this practice. Um, so are you tracking with me so far? I am totally tracking with you. I love okay. that. Okay, great. So another one of the the. Part of the Musar backstory is in the book, I share various assumptions that I ask people to, to go with. And one of the assumptions is that we all have a divine spark, but it's occluded by our baggage. So, you know, it's like whatever you may think of the divinity, it's that, it's that core bit of humanity that's like our, the best part of ourselves that no one can take away. And yeah. that we need to honor and respect everyone as a human being because they have this divine spark. So anyway, here I was um, getting the kids out the door. And this was the first time I'd done patients. So this was maybe six, six five, six years ago, something like that. And, you know, they were just kind of messing around and not getting their shoes on. And I was, felt myself starting to get frustrated. And then I just had this vision of them as, as these little divine sparks. And I just realized like, oh, this too shall pass. And it's just like, I just like, it was like my heart just opened in that moment and we just started laughing and joking around with them. And it was just a, um, I can't say that every single morning I was in that, that sort of blissful, playful attitude, but it really changed the way I just uh, viewed my kids at that time. Mm.
1: Mm. So that's what you imagine how parents would use your book and also, so as we want to make things practical and use this, we actually said we were going to talk about my little um, assessment. And so we'll go, we will do that because we got distracted with disease. Oh yes. Um, They would choose, um, they would choose one of these uh, soul traits and focus on it for a few weeks. And so basically create their own practices. And in the book, um, and, and I didn't get to read the whole book. I just kind of scanned the book, um, but I'm so excited to read the whole thing. Um, I'm, a, I'm a guessing, and you tell me in the book, that you're coaching people of how to do that. So to create a mantra, to create these practices for themselves, is that, is, that, is that the intention?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I would just have one small tweak, which is that for a beginner, it's best to just start with the soul trait, you know, with a pre-existing set of soul traits. Okay. Because part of what we can do is we can say, okay, well, I think I need to work on my patience. But it might be that my patience is, is my impatience actually stems from an imbalance in a different soul trait. Mm. Um, or it might be that I think, like, there were some things where I went into, I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. And it just turned out to be torture. <laughs> and yes. there were other things where I'm like, oh, man, I'm really not very good at this. And it turned out that I actually was really good at that. And I was being too hard on myself. Yeah. So by, having a pre-existing cycle that we go through, we're very quickly going to learn where we really sit along the spectrum. Mm. And so when I like look at your evaluation, you know, we can see this little graphic where, where your balance is across these 13 soul traits. Um, we kind of look at this as, as a starting point for investigation of discovery. And as we experience these soul traits, um, for two weeks each, we'll learn more about where we really sit, um, in the in the balance
1: okay okay so looking at mine like if this was yours
0: where would you start well so it's interesting like the one the one area which appears particularly out of balance for you is humility and that's very common yeah that's i think for anyone i would i would suggest that they start with humility yeah because it's really fundamental as i as i think i mentioned earlier musar is about bearing the burden of other people yeah. But we were evolved and wired to be the stars of our own story. Mm. You know, we have a million years of being self-centered yeah. has kept us alive as a species. Yeah. So learning to overcome that and finding that right balance between how much is about me and how much is about other people. Yeah. And people tend to very easily skew out of balance, um, either towards, again, being the you know, being a little too arrogant or a little too self-effacing, and it's very rare for someone to kind of be in balance for humility.
1: Mm, And so when, so I'm overusing humility, essentially, we'd say, Mm -hmm. right? Um, what would you tell me? Like how, what would you coach me? What would my mantra be? What would some, um, practices be?
0: What would, what would I do? Sure. So, um, So the mantra for humility was written by one of my teachers, Alan Moranis, Mm -hmm. and it's no more than my space, no less than my place. And so I would say, you know, write that on an index card or you could get, you know, a little, um, you write it on an index card or you could buy a card with like a nice graphic with that and you put it on your bed table or put it up in the mirror in the bathroom and spend just two minutes reciting that out loud. In the morning and that will frame your day okay so that's kind of how you, you get started and then you say okay well what's one area that I'm going to work on so um, if you're f- feeling a little bit too humble then it's what's one area in your life where you could take a small action to maybe step out a little bit more like what's the situation during the day or you tend to just maybe walk out of the room saying, gee, I really wish I'd spoken up a little bit more. Or, Gosh, I, mm. I, I didn't tell someone what I was thinking. Can you... Uh,
1: yeah, well, you know, this is so interesting because I'm actually... I've been working with a coach this year.
0: Uh-huh. who's
1: And one of the things she has me working on is um, putting my work out there more because I tend to keep ah. it close. And she says, you know, you've got these gifts to give, but if you don't tell people... <laughs> They can't help you. So I actually created this, I'm wanting to do more work in corporations uh, teaching Uh mindfulness to parents. And so I created this little one page document and I've got this list. She had me make this list of people who I knew who would support my work. And one by one, painfully, (laughs) I'm emailing, I'm emailing that and letting them know what I'm up to and, you know, asking you know, if they would be open to passing it on to the right person, you know, in their company. And there's been lots of yeses, like, and I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised that I'm not surprised. Um, uh-huh. just having her have give me that practice to do, has been hard for me. Um, really hard for me because I feel like I'm putting people out and, Oh God, what if I make them uncomfortable? <laughs> I don't want them to feel like they have to do anything. And, and to my surprise, And really, I know it's not like, I know people are there to support me, right? People who care about me are there to support me and support my work. And, and, but still there's been some kind of surprise. I'm like, wow, I can do this and I can ask for what I need and you know, what support I need. And so I actually have that practice going on right now. So
0: it goes very well with what, what you suggest.
1: Well fantastic
0: and then so I would then add and you might be doing this as well so then the third thing, the first thing is the mantra, the second thing is taking one small change or one action you could make Mm -hmm. and then the third thing is journaling Mm -hmm. so then at night you would journal um, or some people journal in the morning but you would write down how this soul trait showed up during your day and how you responded so it's like okay I sent out another pitch today and I noticed I was really anxious about it, and then I was so surprised when they said yes. Mm. So you can just write that down and record it. And this is just for you, and it really helps reinforce uh, the change that you're trying to make. Wow. Okay, so and, a mantra, one action, and journaling. Yes. And I would say that the action you're taking, I would say that's like on the big end of the spectrum. I mean, that is fantastic. And that's really big and hard. And I might look for smaller opportunities to make a a change to reinforce that. Like, for example, um, for people who are in the working world, and maybe there's uh, in like a meeting or a corporate meeting, there's always certain people that have to speak first in the meeting. And there's other people... Who might be afraid to ask their question. Yes. And so it's like, can you find ways to maybe speak a little bit earlier in a conversation than you would? Or Mm. to um, maybe there's a situation with your husband where there's certain times where you don't speak up or you don't kind of let him know what you need
1: oh no there's that doesn't that (laughs) (laughs) no no poor husband
0: no he's okay so he knows he knows he knows exactly yeah
1: yeah not a problem at home
0: (laughs) right but then maybe you know may or maybe there's you know something else where it's like um yeah you know maybe it's like well maybe I need to speak a little bit less there Yeah. maybe it's like do i need to the second something comes into my head do i need to kind of put this put this out there into the world yeah um because when we're out of balance it can show up in in different ways at different times um so i had a kind of uh interesting sort of realization where i wrote this this book review for this great book that i wrote and i was um i was sharing the I wrote a blog post about it on my website and then I was sharing part of it on Goodreads and I realized am I putting this review on Goodreads to get people to like me and then read my book in other words am I doing this for total self-serving purposes or am I doing it to kind of serve the community and help people know about this great book that's out there and I realized it was a very uncomfortable moment for me because I realized the issue wasn't quite as black and white as I thought it might have been I'm like hmm Okay, I got to remember this. Like when I'm doing these things, this isn't really about me. This is about helping other people find good books. And just those little tweaks in how we show up and in our awareness makes all the difference. Yeah, and really
1: it just is the awareness, right, of it and being willing to do that inquiry. It is the hard work, and you know, I, you know, when when I when I teach mindfulness, you know, people will get very frustrated. Oh, I'm thinking again. You know, oh, you know, I'm thinking again. And I always remind them, no, that moment you notice you're thinking again is the practice, right? When you're that's sitting right. in meditation and you notice your mind wandered and you bring it back, that's the win, right? That's, that's right. That's when you, and that's what I'm hearing in what you're sharing right now is that there's this, this meta-awareness that begins to come in as you get to know these different soul traits within yourself and begin to observe them in your day-to-day life.
0: That's right. And, as we, um, and one of the benefits that starts to happen is what Rabbi Per calls creating more space between the match and the fuse. You know, mm-hmm. if we could just have that little moment of awareness or it's where, what Viktor Frankl would say, that's where we have An opportunity to exercise our free will a choice yeah that's right and we can make a choice and one of the other assumptions that I live by is that we all have free will but it's not always accessible you know Mm. it's like well in theory I could have not yelled at my kid but boy the words were out of my mouth before I even before I even thought about it yeah so if I could just have that little bit of extra time to um, make a choice then I can show up differently and it makes all the difference in in how we impact the world Mm. and how we model behavior for our our kids. Beautiful. And that's why it seems like, you know, when
1: you first sent this to me and I took a look through it, I thought, wow, what a perfect melding of of just the mindfulness world and, and Judaism and this specific practice because when these two come together... Right. Let's say someone is familiar with Musar, but doesn't have a mindfulness practice, or someone has a mindfulness meditation practice, but familiar with with Musar, coming together of the two is like super powered.
0: (laughs) That's right. That's right. Well, some people, they think it's like, oh, so Musar, was this like some... Rabbis who went and studied with the Dalai Lama or something, because it really (laughs) seems like, it really seems like, and I I think these wisdom, you know, they can start at very different places, but they're converging kind of to a, to a a, a one truth or one, one, one one approach that, that works.
1: I couldn't agree with you anymore. You know, I feel like all the different, you know, major religions and practices that people follow around the world are just, it's just many different ways to tell the same story. Because mm-hmm. um, we're all right, we're all in this together.
0: We certainly are. Yeah. um well really, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, it's really important to me to kind of. I really, when I wrote this book, I really wanted to make Musar accessible to a very broad audience. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I was looking at like, well, what's the Jewish population like in the United States? Well, most people. They don't speak any hebrew and they don't belong to synagogues and you know when i talked to folks they said well i i don't go to the synagogue because they use hebrew and i start feeling really embarrassed and ashamed and i realized that i kind of had that as well and i said you know what well musar teaches that it's incumbent on the speaker it's not incumbent on the listener to kind of get over their own issues it's incumbent on the speaker not to cause embarrassment so I don't use any Hebrew terms. I provide a lot of alternative ways to think about God. And I say, well, if you're not sure about the divinity, think about it this way and that way. And what's been such a blessing of this approach is it's made Musar accessible to the broader Jewish community and the non-Jewish community, because these, these teachings are for everyone. And these are something that can help all of us uh, become the best part of a stranger's day or the best part of our kid's day. And boy, I would really, really love to live my life that way.
1: Yeah. That's really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, when I, this conversation with you and in, in taking your test online and in going, you know, reading through the book, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any separation. Like it doesn't feel at all. Like I need to be Jewish to, to access this. And so I really appreciate the way that you, that you share that and your intention behind it. Um, I think, We need more and more of this in the world um, to be able to bring um, people of different faiths and different beliefs together. And this feels a bit like a
0: bridge to me. Well, I think it is very accessible. I mean, what we share and what we have in common across different faiths is so much stronger than how we're different. And unfortunately, our brains are wired a little bit to notice differences more than similarities because that's how we, again, that's how we survived. Yeah. But um, but we also have a, a prefrontal cortex, and that um, that can help us help bring us together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really beautiful. Um, well, we're we're just about out of time. So, Greg, I would love for you to tell our listeners how you know what how they can connect with you You and if you could give the website, I'll also put that in the, um, you know, in the information in the podcast, but how they can work with you. What would you like the listeners to know?
0: Right. Well, um, everyone is heartily invited to come to my website. It's Americanmusar.com. or if you Google Greg Marcus Musar, you'll, you'll find me. And Musar has two S's. Yes, has Two two S's. So if you go to, um, if you go to americanmusard right on the homepage, there'll be a link to take the Trait profile quiz. It's a great way of looking within and starting to understand where you might get stuck and how how we might um, uh, what we can do to to help overcome help overcome those things. Uh, my book, The Spiritual Practice of Good Actions, it's available on Amazon and in bookstores and libraries everywhere. And again, it's a great gentle way to learn about Musar. and I would I would love to hear from you. Um, please feel free to use the contact information on my website or you can email me at Greg at American and let me know how I can help you on your journey.
1: This was really fun, Greg. It was fun getting to know you and it feels um, just like a real service to have have had you on and to allow um, our listeners to I'm gonna pause. I, my thing just beeped and I think I'm afraid the sound went onto it. So I'm going to pause for a second. Okay.
0: I'm going to sneeze. So uh... Go ahead, sneeze, and then we'll go. <laughs> All right. The sneeze doesn't want to come. So let's see if we can get through without it. Okay. All right,
1: pausing. Greg, it was such a gift to have you on, on the show and to introduce you to our listeners. And I hope the practices and the offerings that you are bringing into the world uh, reach far and wide it was it was really wonderful to have you on
0: well thank you michelle it was a real pleasure being here and i think you're providing a wonderful service for for parents like me who want to show up in in life a little bit differently and a little bit better
1: thank you thank you very much well we're going to end here may you meet this moment fully may you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and
0: others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and give us some stars in a favorable review at iTunes.